You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash Film School. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. A movie tinged with magical realism, A Lobster Tale won Jury Award at the Omaha Film Festival and was given the Phoenix Film Festival Audience Award. Shot in Halifax, Canada, it's the story of a struggling lobster fisherman who discovers a mysterious healing sea moss in one of his traps. With us today is the film's screenwriter, Kurt Crandall. Kurt Crandall, welcome to film school. Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Doing well, you? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Are you, uh, are you up in L.A. right now? I am in Manhattan Beach. Manhattan Beach. Been as hot up there as it's been just 50 miles south of you. <laughs> 220 degrees. Really? Today. Yeah. Well, wow, that is a little warmer than it yeah, is down here. Yeah, we but... didn't break two. You know, it's, it's... We, can, we can't seem to break above 150 here, but yeah. you guys, you know. You're just not trying. <laughs> You're just not trying hard enough. I really love this movie. Can you tell me where you got the idea from it? Was this, uh, was this a mythological story from the Indians of the area, or was this something that came into your head? No, it, it's funny. It was actually the first script I ever wrote, and I wrote it phonetically, and, and what kind of drove me to write it was I had seen Fargo uh, and seen how they had lampooned uh, the, the Minneapolis accent, and I thought, wow, the Maine accent, having grown up summering in Maine, is, is definitely the next kind of accent to take on. Uh-huh. But what I loved about the people of Maine is they're, you know, they're ostensibly simple people, but the more you're around them, the more you realize they have this kind of profound sense of what's important in life and what isn't. Um, and they're not caught up in materialism or any of those kind of trappings that, well, we are more so in Manhattan Beach. So I thought, well, it'd be great to capture that and kind of present it in a way where there's a guy who is a, a simple guy who's kind of losing everything by not wanting anything more in life, and, and he's the most unlikely guy to find something that can kind of affect everyone around him. And so I just took yeah. my recollections of some of these characters growing up and, and weaved them into the, into the story. What do you think in Maine... The, the New England area, why is that, that people have this sense of what the priorities of life should be that's a little different than, than, than us, Beach. than Manhattan beaches? <laughs> well, I think part of it is just that nothing ever changes back there. You know, it's people, I always used to laugh, at, like it's, you'd drive up every every summer, every weekend, and we'd see that, you know, here's this barn next to someone's house, and, well, this year it's leaning a little more. <laughs> next year it's leaning a little more, and so you're up, oh, it's on the ground now, and then it just rocks and goes back to the earth. <laughs> And they embrace their kind of quirky, rugged individualism and, and have this attitude of, yeah, nope, not going to happen today. And it's just not driven by corporations or the need to get ahead. Is it driven somewhat by their sense of th- their connection to the land and to this, the ocean? Is there something about that that, that that focuses them that way? I think there is. I, I guess, you know, I hadn't thought about it much, but we're we're pretty far removed from our food supply now and everything else. And, mm-hmm. and up there, they're pretty in touch with... You know, if you want to pay the electricity bill, you go out and you pull some traps. The film is a lobster tale. I don't think there's anybody not from Maine there. I was wondering, are you pleased with the way it was cast, given that you were aiming this all on a particular dialect? I am pleased. It was one of these cases where I felt like the wrong person could turn this into a very bad movie very easily, mm-hmm. or even the wrong emphasis from the director if they went too broad or kind of didn't get the the main sensibility. 
and so Colum is just, you know, to me, the, huh. the best of all worlds, because he's just got this kind of ordinary guy quality about him, and he's he's likable, but he's tough, and he, he was just ideal. Yeah, Colum Meany, and uh, a lot of people, I think, know him from Star Trek. I remember him from the Commitments and Layer Cake. I think those are the ones that, that his face registers with me. The whole cast in general seems to have picked up on that uh, that main thing. Did they uh, do any dialect training or did they uh, just bring it up? We had a voice coach, which I, you know, I, I was, as you horse trade with independent movies and decide what you have to focus on, what you can't, to me, the dialect um, was imperative. And so those guys were able to bring in a, a dialect coach who knew the main area and kind of work with each of these guys because most of them were from Canada. So they were close, but they didn't exactly have the main thing down at the start. The sheriff is wonderful there. Oh, Graham, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He has, in fact, I think he's my, my favorite of all the laid-back characters as far as you know, having to deal with something major and not really showing very much emotion yeah, not in getting, dealing with yeah, it. Yeah, not getting hysterical about it at all. Yeah. Well, that is the sensibility. Again, if you've been there, I just you know, I laugh every summer when we say, did you get the boat in? No, nope, not today. You know, what with the weather? And you look and go, well, it's like sunny in 82 hours. <laughs> well, yeah, but storm's picking up. So. <laughs> well, that's for me watching the film. I mean, I don't want to get, I don't want to give away plot points here, but this something happens to, to Cody on his boat, and he, I mean, it's a significant event, and he's cured by our magic moss. Mm-hmm. Comes yeah. home, and it's almost a sort of a matter-of-fact, off-the-cuff remark on his Over point. dinner. Yeah. Over dinner as to what had happened to him during the course of the day, and it, it's part of the charm. I mean, it's it's definitely part of, of who they are and, and, and their sensibility. But Now, how long ago did you write this? I wrote this about 10 years ago, oh. and uh, like I said, it was the first thing I'd written, and I knew uh, a woman in advertising, which is my real job. Her husband was an agent then at ICM, and so he was the only person I knew who was an agent, so I got it through to her to give to him, and he took some time, and then he he got them to take me on. And then it went out and went through all sorts of uh, machinations where it looked like Fox was going to buy it right out of the gate, and then they didn't, and then it was with all sorts of independent companies. And along the way, I was supposed to travel to New Zealand, and then the 11th hour didn't happen, and travel to Canada and didn't happen, and finally... These guys, Adam Massey and Lincoln Stallmaster, approached me. And they had actually done something that was unique, which is they had raised the money first mm. and then went looking for a script they wanted to make. So from what I gathered, they had looked through a couple hundred scripts and settled on mine. Boy, that, that's got to be real unusual that uh, they actually had raised the money prior to your It was, it was for me because yeah. I was so used to and exhausted from dealing with the process of, you know, we'll option it and... Yeah try and get this person or that. Anybody who's watched movies in the last 30 years knows Lynn Stallmaster as a casting icon. Yes. Uh, and yep. they were the part of the production company that put this together. That must have been encouraging having yeah. someone like that for your particular film. It definitely mm-hmm. weighed in, in my thought of, you know, who to, who to do this with because I knew he'd be able to get some of the people to look at it. And, and like you said, this movie is really based on cast and people being able to pull off these quirky performances. And I thought he did a great job helping finding a lot of those, especially, you know, the kid Jack Knight, I think, is yeah. is just a, a real fine young actor. Yeah, you can tell a lot of very talented people involved in the project. In the process of writing this, did did it take a long time for it to come together for you? Or, you know, you watch Fargo, you sit down and compose it in two weeks, or did it take two years? You know, I, I absolutely forced Gump my way through the script. I had no idea what I was doing, and just it just kind of came together kind of easily. 
just because I happened to know that area and had a sense for how these characters should behave. Yeah. And then after I finished, I thought, oh, this stuff's simple. Why is everybody talking about how hard it is to write a script? Blah, blah, yeah. blah. And I just were, quickly went out and wrote the biggest piece of crap in the world right afterwards. Oh. And, uh, and then I started <laughs> to figure it out after that. It was funny. I just got to imagine uh, the, uh, all the screenwriters uh, who are, uh, are sitting out there cursing at you right now for, for what you just said about your first script being picked up and turned into a film. I'm sure that the, the odds on that are just astronomical. Yeah. I've, I've had plenty of pain since then. So. <laughs> You've been through it since. Well, you've also, you were also responsible for um, the script for uh, Old School. Yeah, I, I wrote the original couple drafts on that. And how many people lifted their leg on that one after, after you wrote, wrote the, uh, the first? Well, it, it went to Todd Phillips and Scott Armstrong, who were uh, a team who, who wrote a number of drafts after that. Okay. So it was just the two of them. How does the, uh, the script to a lobster tail stand up to your original. Is it close to it? Did you go through a lot of uh, discussions as to how it was going to be changed, or is it pretty close to what you imagined? What I found, anyway, was so enjoyable about the independent process is you genuinely work as a team, and if, if you're with the right people, they appreciate your contribution and you appreciate theirs. So when these guys came to me, they said, you know, here's what we think of the script. We really like it. There's one section here we're questioning. And I said, you know what, I'm questioning that section as well. And we talked about how to how to work stuff, and then I'd go and write it. I kind of walked away from a little bit of, I, I was tried to be as amenable as possible. And they'd say, God, we need a little change here or there. I'd say, screw it, I'm not going to try and hold your guys' feet to the fire as far as costs. I'm just going to do what I think is in the best interest of the script. Mm -hmm. And so, for better or worse, all the words that ended up on the screen were mine. I truly enjoy this movie a lot. There's a beautiful simplicity to it. And it has a wonderful sense of humor, too. It's not a knock-you-over-the-head kind of humor. You laugh maybe a couple minutes after you've heard the the punchline. So thank you for that. Oh, thanks. Uh, Adam Massey, how did he become attached to this? Well, He's the director. The, the funny thing is I had shot a, because I, like I said, I have this uh, ad agency, Ground Zero, up here in L.A., and he had shot some commercials for us back in the day, mm-hmm. but I hadn't interacted with him since, but he and, and Lincoln had gone out and raised this money together, and we're going to work as a team, as a producer-director team, and so they just got the script through my agent, and then we met after that. And that was it? We're, we're speaking with Court Crandall. He's a screenwriter for the film A Lobster Tale. How did you, when you had a character, say Colum's character, how did you develop that? Did you base it on anyone you knew, or did you pretty much just invent these uh, characters? It's kind of a conglomeration of, of people I knew from, from Maine, but there was, uh, there was one guy who was a neighbor of ours up there who named Scott Wilson in Booth Bay Harbor, Maine, who... Started out as a uh, working for Central Maine Power, and then he left, and, and like a lot of people there, decided he'd want to go on his own because he couldn't deal with having a boss. So <laughs> he became a lobsterman, and he pulled traps, and he was just uh, a great role model for me growing up. So I tried to emulate some of his behavior. And these other characters were, it sounds like, were also based on people in some way that you you grew up with or knew? Yeah, not not exactly. Okay. More just you know taking the, the mindset of of all the people when, I had. When you're writing started. a script like this, you've got your main character. When you're when you're thinking about the other characters, are you feeding off of that main character or are you trying to create characters that you know are going to be in conflict with your main character? How how does that process work for you? Like I said, I I I kind of did this one without thinking too much okay. about it, but but subsequently I've learned that you really need to try and have people that they're going to have conflict yeah. uh, as much as possible. 
and push them along. Now, this this film has made this circuit on the on the film festival circuit. How has that experience been? Have you been going to the different film festivals and been and been making yourself available for press? Have you been accompanying the film around? I have been like a monk. I haven't gone to. Okay. I finally went down to the Newport uh, Film Festival. Okay. I haven't been to any of the others. What does Adam go? Has he been? Ad, Adam and Lincoln have gone to all of them. So we have an interview with a monk going on here. <laughs> <laughs> it's an <aesthetic. laughs> well, Did you have an opportunity to go to Canada where the film was shot? I did. I went for the uh, the first few days up in Nova Scotia, and it yeah. was kind of funny because we do a, a yearly trip back uh, east with my family to go to Maine and watch the Red Sox. So we get up to Booth Bay Harbor, and then we drove to Bar Harbor, and, and which is three hours from there. I took the ferry over, which was another four. Wow. And then I thought, all right, well, we're, we're in Nova Scotia. How far can Halifax be? Was it like 10 minutes? <laughs> it was four hours, and my kids are crying in the back seat, and like two in the morning going, I'm so tired. <laughs> so we went for a couple of days of shooting, and that was it. Well, so, and what was that experience like? It was a little bit odd just because, you know, we, our, my agency does the commercials for ESPN and yeah. the anti-smoking stuff for California. So I've, I've been in advertising for a number of years and, and watched a number of things get made. So it wasn't as yeah. shocking as it might be, but it was still cool. It, was, it more felt like a relief after 10 years of watching this thing mm. go from one drawer to another to actually see someone say action was kind of nice. My kids were shooting slingshots in the water, <laughs> trying to get on screen, and so. You mentioned pain earlier on, or hurt, as far as your screenwriting career went. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know there are people out there that think they can come up with a script, think that it's an easy process. What have you learned, and, and what's the pain been about? Well, the first thing I've learned is that you can't write a script and then doggedly, you know, hold on to your script and talk about year after year, somebody's got to make my script, go write another script. And after you write that, write another one. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, you're trying to do something which I think the odds are more difficult than making it the NBA or the NFL. Mm -hmm. So I think you've got to push and, and keep writing is the, is the main thing. But it's, it's tough because if you're not a known entity, and I've written a lot of comedy, um, I think it's difficult for your spec script to go out and, and people to give it a fair shake or, you know, to think, to see the potential in it. What are you working on right now? I'm working on a script called uh, Bumming a Ride to Redemption, which is not a comedy either. It's about a kid who comes back from juvenile detention after performing kind of one horrific act in his life when he's younger and now returns to a small town, uh, much like a Vietnam vet or something would come back to a town, and it's all kind of different and trying to find redemption within himself, really. And how far along are we? Are you you have some people interested in it? I do. I have Adam and Lincoln are, are I think interested in making it, but haven't haven't signed any dotted lines. Oh, okay. so anybody out there? Yeah. No. Well, this is speaking with Court Crandall. Yeah. Uh, he's a screenwriter for the film A Lobster Tale. In the middle of doing this, in the in the process of, of writing the film, are there are there times where you just want to give up and and start another script? Or do you do you just stick to what you're doing? Do you ever have like two or three scripts going at once? I don't really have. Yeah. I, I write some children's book stuff, so I, uh -huh. I do that at the same time. But I tend to do, you know, focus on one script at a time. And there are inevitably those nights where, you know, where my agent will say, gosh, I think you've messed something up here in the first act. And then I look at all the consequences of changing that. And debate slitting my wrists. Yeah, yeah well, what, changing something in the first act has that ripple effect, doesn't it? It does. And there are those moments <laughs> where, where you know that he's right, and you go, 
I'm just not very good at this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, now what's the name of your uh, ad agency? Oh, Ground Zero. Ground Zero, and you're doing work. You've said uh, you do work for ESPN, which, which yep. every red-blooded American male in the has probably seen more than their fair share of ESPN, so your work's showing up there. That's great. Great stuff over there. Well, what kind of stuff are you doing for Ground Zero? Uh, we do a lot of... Uh, I, I run the company along with my partner, Jim Smith, so I'm the, the creative partner. Um, but we do a lot of television advertising. We do yeah. Beck, Spear internationally, and a bunch of, uh, of other accounts. So you're, you're doing the scripting and you're doing the whole production of a, of a spot then? Well, we'll, we'll come up with the ideas... Um, and then we'll go and we'll hire a director, hire a photographer, things yeah. like that. And then you go through the whole process. Exactly. Well, we need to get to the really important stuff. Okay. We've Please. been talking about this movie and, you know, this career and the scripts. I don't, I don't want to talk baseball. Oh. <laughs> we, I, there's a man that's probably sitting at home right now with hockey gear on, getting ready to take off to, to go. By the way, are you, are you going to go play today? I've already played. No, oh, you already see? played. It's okay. Over. All right. There you go. But we just had this the, the deal. Give us your opinion of uh, the Yankees signing Roger Clemens. I think they've got a fat, overweight, past his prime. No. You're, you're talking a, about Mike. Not, not... That, uh, <laughs> I didn't necessarily care if the Red Sox got him. I didn't really want the Yankees to get him. There you go. And that's, that's it frustrates me that they never have to sleep in the bed they've made. <laughs> they always get to throw more money at the problem. Yeah, I consider them Darth and Team Death Star, as far as uh, George Brenner and uh, George Steinbrenner, mm-hmm. pardon me, and the New York Yankees, and they do seem to be able to snag. I do think he's he's got nothing left in the tank. Myself, I really bigger they come, yeah, the harder they, they fall. fall. That's yeah. right. The the Sox will be okay. I don't know that it'll matter if Roger Clemens is uh, pitching every second day. I don't think it's really going to matter. Let's let's not forget that we're in the middle of the NBA playoffs oh, right that's now, true. That's and it. True. it this baseball stuff doesn't mean, really mean I, a lot, I, I, and and I agree with you about Roger Clemens, though. Just for for that matter, the uh, the <laughs> the largeness of him and the overhillness of him. Yeah, I think. <laughs> well, I hope. Yeah, we can only hope. <laughs> well, you'll be all right. Don't worry too much about it. Well, Court Crandall, I want to thank you so much for being here on, on Film School. Again, the film is a lobster tail. It is available for uh, a smart distributor to pick up. And it's a run great with. little film. It really it, is. Yeah, a nice visit uh, and, a lobster tail dot com. You can see a trailer to it there. It's a great film. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, and, and good luck to you on all your future projects. Once again, a lobster tail. Court Crandall, thank you for being here on Film School. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, right. Nathan. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at org slash filmschool.